I think I've really jumped into probably the parent that cares the most. And I'm constantly trying to remind (laughs) myself, do not be the parent that cares the most. Do not be the parent that cares the most (laughs) because I'm a step parent. I'm a bonus parent. You're listening to the Nacho Kids podcast, where we discuss all things step family related, real stories, real people, real help. Your hosts are the creators of the Nacho Kids Method and the Nacho Kids Academy Step Family Coaching Team, Lori and David Sims. Welcome to episode 172 of the Nacho Kids Podcast. Thank you. Thank you for welcoming me. <laughs> of course I'm welcoming you, David. <laughs> welcoming you. Before we talk about today's guest, we need to announce that October the 8th in Santa Barbara, California, there will be a Stepmom Collective conference. David and I will not be there physically, but we will be there, would you say, virtually? Uh, we will be there pre-recordedly. <laughs> we will be there pre-recordedly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think, you know, trying to do the whole virtual thing, it's a lot of technical hurdles. So we're doing a session in advance and sending them to to play for their audience. And other featured speakers are Jocelyn Flowers, the Daily Stepmom, Monica Chancy, the Worthy Stepmom, Tammy Wilson, Living Happily Even After, and Sam and Maria, Blended Mamas, and more. <laughs> I always love the names people come up with. Yeah. So for more information, go to stepmomcollective.com. And don't forget, during the checkout process, apply discount code Nacho Kids to save you some money. Shoot ya. Shoot ya. <laughs> and I'm not letting the cat out of the bag, but I think they may be planning another one for Florida in November. Cool. But that's not set in stone, people. That's not set in stone. Like November, like two months from now, November? Or next November? Like November, two months from now, November. Wow. That's quick. Yeah. Okay, David, let's talk about our guest today. Okay. Our guest today is Tiffany Jensen. She has been blending for six years, three-step kids, three-hours kids. They spent two years in court trying to get 50-50, but only got 40-60 after giving up. Mm. So, like, they gave up and then got it? Like, the judge said, oh, man, you're not going to fight anymore? I'll just give you 60-40. 40, 60, whatever. Yeah, pretty much. We can't squeeze any more money out of you, so I'll go ahead and just give you 40, 60. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. She's also a child of divorce. Her parents split when she was 14, and it was bad. B-A-D. That's unfortunate. She came in open-minded as to her role as a stepmom. She (laughs) said, she's the parent that cares the most. We often hear that with step-parents. They feel like they are the parent that cares the most. Mm. I don't. (laughs) (laughs) One thing that she says is that we have helped her a lot. We're good. And we also discuss what she calls court trauma. (laughs) I love that phrase. It is traumatic. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's traumatic in so many ways. It's traumatic financially, emotionally, psychologically. Help me with some more Lees. (laughs) Yeah, all of them. Yeah. Dressing up, Lee. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know of anybody who's like, yeah, I get to go to court today. woo Yes. Not fun. No. But anyway, I'm not going to tell y'all anymore. Let's just get to listening. All right. 
All right, but first a word about the Nacho Kids Academy. So if you're not yet aware, if you go to nachokidsacademy.com, you can find the place there where we have all the material you need to nacho properly. Because we all know I can hand you a hammer, but that don't mean you can build a house with it. (laughs) (laughs) So it's not just about the right tools. It's also about the right training and the right implementation. And we help you with all that. We help you with how to use the tools. That's right. Yes. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause somebody said to me one time, you guys gave me the right tools. I'm like, it's more than that. It, you, I can give you tools. I can tell everybody on this podcast the tools to use, but if I'm not tell you how to use them in your situation, they're not going to work a lot of the time. So mm-hmm. there you go. So check it out. Notyourkidsacademy.com. Now let's get to listening. Today, we have stepmom Tiffany Jensen. Hey, Tiffany, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you, Lori? Doing well. Good. So tell us a little bit about your blended dynamics. How long you've been blending, stepkids, bio kids, hours kids, all that good stuff. Sure. So I married my husband, Casey, back in 2016. And at the time, he had three of his own kids from his first marriage. They were all really little. They were three and a half, one and a half, and six months old when I met him. Oh, wow. Yeah, they were young. And we got married within two months. It was a really, you know, quick courtship. And I didn't have any kids. Wait, I'm sorry. Two months? Yes, just two months. Wow. Yeah, it was was fast and furious. Yes. (laughs) To say the least. So we have now been married almost six years. And they are all grown, you know, a little bit bigger. So I've got a nine-year-old stepson a seven-year-old stepdaughter, a six-year-old stepdaughter. And then in the last five years, we've had three of our own kids together. So I've got six total. Wow. Yeah. It's a house full. Yes. And how often do you have the stepkids? So we alternate. We've got a summer schedule and a school year schedule. So right now we are 50-50. They're with us every other week. And once school starts, they'll be with us every other weekend from Thursday till Tuesday. Okay. Yeah. So you still get 50-50 during the summer? Yes. During the school year, it's more of uh, 40%, 60%. Okay. Yeah. That's still a good bit, though. Yeah, it is. We we have a good balance. I'm curious why you don't do week on, week off during the school year. I am, too. (laughs) So the years of 2020 through 2021 or 2019 to 2021, we spent two years in court trying to get a 50-50 arrangement. And it just didn't work out super well for whatever reasons. The bio mom wasn't very agreeable with it, but it seemed to make a lot of sense for my husband and I and for all of our kids that we would just stick to 50-50 throughout the year. And we went through two years of court and trying to get that custody modification. And we just couldn't make a lot of progress. So After two years of it, just kind of emotionally draining our family and taking a lot of emotional energy from my husband and I, we decided to settle and we were able to get a little bit more custody before then it had been a 30-70 arrangement during the school year, but still 50-50 during the summers. So it's a little bit of progress. It's still not quite what we want. And the schedule is a little bit all over the place, but it's better than it was before. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And plus, you talked about how emotionally draining it is, not to mention financially. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Both. 
So what's your relationship like with your stepkids? Did you come in playing mom to them or did you leave the parenting up to the dad? What's that like? Yeah, it was interesting where I met all of them when they were so young. You know, I'm a child of divorce. My parents split when I was 14 and they had a pretty nasty uh, relationship after they got divorced. And so I felt hypersensitive to that tension between parents once they got divorced. And I really came into this situation wanting to create something different for my husband's kids, which would be my stepkids. And I really wanted that dynamic to be healthy and amicable between bio mom, bio dad. So I came in very open-minded trying to find my place as stepmom and co-parenting, all of that. So when we got together, I actually asked my husband if he would be comfortable with me taking his ex-wife out to breakfast to just kind of rip off the bandaid and go chit chat with her, introduce myself, figure out kind of what the dynamic was, like what her preferences were for her kids, what was important to her, kind of their schedules, routines, their needs. And I went mm-hmm. to just tell her, you know, I, I would love to figure out whatever my place is, consider, considering your opinion, my husband's opinion, tell me where to jump in. And it was interesting. I was really grateful she agreed to meet up with me. And, but she didn't have a ton of preferences and she didn't have a ton of direction with the kids. And so I kept telling her, I don't want to step on toes. You know, you are, of course, their mom and you know your babies better than anybody. Like, you tell me what I should know about this situation. And really quickly, I just discovered, you know, there's there's not a ton of direction here with either of the bio parents. Like mom, mm-hmm. mom doesn't have super strong preferences. Dad's working over full time. So I learned pretty quickly. I think I'm just going to have to jump in and when they're under our roof, very much be like a motherly figure to them and try really hard to co-parent with their bio mom and run everything past my husband as their bio dad. So I would say over the years, things have changed. You know, there's ups and downs with what my role has been, but I think I've really jumped into probably the parent that cares the most. And I'm constantly trying to remind (laughs) myself, do not be the parent that cares the most. Do not be the parent that cares the most (laughs) because I'm a step parent. I'm a bonus parent. So you guys have helped me a lot to nacho over the years and try to take a step back and take a deep breath and let bio parents step up or at least give them the opportunity or the first say. Right. And it's so hard. Sure. We tell people you can't care more than the bio parent. Well, you can, (laughs) but it's not going to do you any good. It's going to cause problems with your relationship with your stepkids, with the bio mom, with the dad, everybody. Right. Yeah. And I bet when you met with bio mom, and tell me if I'm wrong, I'm not trying to say anything negative about her. Yeah. But you met with her and she's like, oh, no, we're good. I don't really have any issues. But then once you start going, you learn that that's not really the case. Yeah. She doesn't like me doing this. She doesn't like me doing that. Because she didn't know what to expect or how she was going to feel when you did take on certain roles. Yeah, absolutely. And none of us have done this before, right? I haven't personally done this before. I've seen it with my parents and that was in a pretty unhealthy light. So I I knew I wanted something different, but I'm inexperienced at this. My husband's inexperienced. The bio mom's inexperienced. Like we're all learning and there's a huge learning curve and plenty of room for all of us to have a lot of emotions come up, make mistakes, do things right. Sometimes like 
it's just a learning experience for all of us. So do you co-parent with her? Do you communicate with her regarding exchanges, issues with the kids? I used to very like heavily. I would say the majority, like 95% of the co-parenting was done with she and I probably for the first four years, maybe three and a half years when my husband and I got married. And then as soon as we went to court and got into the custody thing for two years, I would say everything just kind of came to a screeching halt. And I learned, you know, I've really got to disengage here to keep my mental sanity. So I would say I've stepped back the last two years to where it's very limited now. But in the beginning, you know, I would schedule these little, we would call them mommy meetups every month. And we'd have each other over to our house. We'd kind of have this little printout of what are all the concerns or needs for our kids right now? How can we team up on things or who's growing out of whatever tennis shoe size? Like, what do we need to update each other on? And seriously was as ideal as it could have been for about the first three and a half years. That's amazing. It was. I, I still am grieving. I think it, it really, not to get choked up, but it really was a huge blessing. Like it's, it's everything I had hoped it could be. Right. So it's been hard to to have that shift and change, but I'm I'm still working through it and I hope things can get back to everybody just kind of working together like we share a common interest of these kids being happy and successful and loved and it's it's hard as adults to put your differences aside when there's so many emotions, but we're working on it, I think. And of course, when your husband took her back to court, that's when all this stuff kind of changed and halted like I can't be friends with you anymore if you're taking me back to court. Yeah, I think, you know, when two people go through a divorce, there's so many emotions there. There's betrayal, there's trauma, there's hurt feelings, there's so much of the past. And I think it's so easy for all of that to resurface. And they did not have an easy divorce process. They, I think there's quite a bit of like court trauma there. And so all of that resurfaced. And as the wife to my husband now, it's so hard to see your tough, strong, capable man be broken down again by all of those emotions. And it feels pretty easy to point the finger like she's the one who makes him feel this way. So I definitely feel like some mama bear energy came out for me of like protect my man, holy smokes, the emotions that she has helped resurface. It's it's hard to not get resentful or just feel very protective over him in regards to her. Right. Did she think that, or do you know, if she thought you were the one pushing for more time? I don't think so. You know, I think step parents are pretty left out when there's a custody modification. It's very much still just between bio parents, but we started that process. He and I, you know, just verbally kind of asking her for more custody. And at the time she was single, I'm sure she felt kind of ganged up on. And as we went throughout the court process, she found a partner, she got remarried. And then I think she could feel like we were all coming at things with you know, like her being a a couple with her partner and he and I Mm -hmm. being a partner partnership. But in the beginning, I think she probably felt pretty targeted, like two against one, which is unfortunate and like not at all our intention, but I'm sure that just made her feel a little more defensive, you know? (laughs) I can imagine. Yeah. I'm putting myself in her shoes. Yes, absolutely. And you marry her ex-husband. Yeah. And you want to go have breakfast. Yeah. One of the first things out of my mouth would to you would have been, y'all were only dating for two months. Oh, totally. Totally. <laughs> Did she bring that up? No. I, you know, face to face, I think there's a lot of stuff that she reserves saying that personally, I would love 
to just discuss. Like, I feel I'm pretty blunt. I'm very open. I love to just address things like face to face. And as soon as something comes up for people, like, let's talk about it. Let's address it. I think she's just got a different personality of more like suppress the true feelings or maybe don't share things as much. And, and that's okay. Like, but I think it can be tricky where maybe there were quite a few of unspoken things on her end that have been suppressed or caused some resentment or I'm, I'm not totally sure, you know, but right. I would have loved to just address that because yeah, from the outside looking in, holy smokes, how fast, how crazy they had just been divorced. I had just been divorced. Our love story moved very quickly and there's children involved that had to have been concerning and brought up like a lot of emotions, I'm sure. Right. How long after y'all started dating, did you meet the kids? That was something I really wanted to take some time on. Granted, this whole journey being a two-month period, that's not a lot of time to begin with. (laughs) But my husband, you know, my boyfriend at the time, he kept saying, you know, when I met him, I actually originally didn't know that he was a father. We, We met online, we started talking, and I didn't know he was a father as we started to chat. And then the more we started to talk, you know, I start looking at his Facebook. I'm like, wow, there's kiddos involved. I start, start seeing a profile picture and he had only had two of the kiddos like on his Facebook profile from, you know, just a quick glance. So I thought, oh my gosh, like maybe he's a father of two. I was not at all looking to like fall in love with a father. And anyways, he was really excited, obviously to share that part of himself with the person he's falling in love with. And I kind of tried to push the brakes and I just let him know, like, this is a lot for me to wrap my head around. I never intended on like falling in love with a father, but here I am. I want to make sure that things between you and I are right and meant to be, because if they are, everything else will fall into place. Like me wrapping my head around being a stepmom. I didn't have children of my own. I was super young. I had never planned on having kids that early, let alone so many so young at the same time as a stepmom. Mm-hmm. So I just told him, let's focus on us. If we truly feel like this sure about our future, everything else is just going to fall into place. So I probably waited at least a month or a month and a half before I, we were pretty much engaged when I started getting to know the kids, which I look back and that was crazy too. <laughs> yes. I'm thinking, <laughs> okay, from a kid's standpoint. Yeah. Now, granted, they were young. Yeah. I, I get that. So there's probably not this thought process. But if a kid at three can think, yeah, daddy just got this girlfriend and they're getting married. Yeah. Yeah. So you didn't have much time with them. Thank God they were young. I know. I, I think my situation be, would be so different. And my advice to any potential soon-to-be stepmoms would be so different If you had kids of older ages, older comprehension, development, teenagers, holy smokes, in our situation, everything worked out and the kids haven't really known any different. Like as far as their memory is concerned, I've always been in the picture, but yeah, they definitely went through some transitions too, having a new person come into the picture. And you said you were recently divorced Yeah, when you met Casey Yeah, and I guess he was recently divorced. How long had each of you been divorced when y'all met? We had both been divorced within, so Casey's divorce took probably, it was like a nine month process. And my divorce was really quick. We had been married nearly three years and our divorce process without any kids involved or, you know, 
it, it went by really quick. It was like a two month process. So I had been the month I met Casey is the month I got divorced. It was so fast. And then for Casey, he had been divorced for about a month, maybe a month and a half by the time we met each other. Now I know here you have to have been separated for a year, Yeah, but you didn't have to have that. No, we didn't have that in our area. So everything was super quick, but it just felt right. And, and looking back, I'm like, oh my gosh, it was so fast, but I'm in shock. I'm, I'm sitting here thinking you were married for three years. Yeah. You got divorced. And within two months, you met this guy that you're going to marry in two months. Yes, It's wild. It really is wild. And people say, when you know, you know, and I'm like, there's nothing, right. I can't explain it, but we just knew like when I found Casey, everything in me felt at home. Like we had been in another life together, like a soulmate connection. People sometimes believe in soulmates. They don't. I do because I found him, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and we both had a lot of learning to do. Our first marriages, I think were vital in our learning journeys. Obviously he had three amazing kids from that, that he needed in his life. So I'm so grateful. Like we had the previous marriages and the journeys that we did to end up where we did, but the timetable was crazy and I can't explain it. Uh, even six years right. later, I'm still in shock, like trying to catch up, <laughs> but <laughs> we knew it was meant to be. So how old was his youngest or was she still pregnant with the youngest when they split up? I, we looking back, you know, my husband never totally got answers about why she had pursued a divorce, but he thinks it was pretty like premeditated it was pretty blindsiding. He had, he thought they were totally happy, married, happily married. They had been married for about seven years. And one day he gets news that his wife is leaving him. She had drained the bank account and he was in complete shock. And so she, yeah, looking back, he thinks there probably was quite a bit of like postpartum depression or, Mm -hmm. you know, depression during the pregnancy that he just wasn't as aware of. And over the years, as we've had kids, I've gone through some really rough postpartum depression that I feel like it's helped him get some closure of like, wow, okay, so mentally, women kind of go through quite a journey and having three kids back to back, that close in age, that probably played a key. But those are just kind of the speculations. He still to this day doesn't totally have answers. I'm going to ask this. Sure. And it may be inappropriate, but I'm going to ask anyway. You're fine. Is he sure the youngest is his? Yes. Yes, he is. Okay. He is sure. But he thinks, you know, so she was eight months old, the baby, when he and I got married. So I think it was like throughout the ending of her pregnancy that she was probably making some of these decisions to, you know, kind of split ways. Right. Yeah. I worked with a guy one time and he came to work one day. He said, well, me and the old lady split up. Oh. And I said, what? He said, yeah, I think she's pregnant. And I'm like, what? Oh. And he said, every time that she gets pregnant, she splits up with me. Oh, my God. <laughs> and sure enough, she was. Yeah. It's like those hormones just made her kick into, I'm done with you. Yeah. <laughs> Get out of my face. And every time that she's done that, she's been pregnant. Oh, my gosh. It's so hard. It really does take women for a whirl. Your hormones Everything that you go through, raising a baby, being pregnant with a baby, sharing a body. I mean, it's so much. I can really empathize with what the bio mom probably went through because we've kind of copied and pasted our family. We've had three kids back to back really close in age. And so it's been a similar dynamic. You know, my heart really goes out to 
whatever it was that she went through at the time that kind of made her want to push him away or have a new fresh start. Yeah. Yeah. And it's good that you realize that. Yeah. And I'm also glad that not that you went through these struggles when you had the babies, but that he saw this and maybe it did help him get some kind of closure from the ex. Because if you have something, whether it's a friendship that ends abruptly with no explanation or a divorce you didn't see coming, you always wonder. Absolutely. You you need those answers. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to find peace and closure and move forward like they were a huge part you know they were high school sweethearts they were together since they were 13 or 14 and Uh they split when they were 29 so that's a lifetime with a person to just end out of nowhere and my heart constantly goes out to the two of them like how hard that had to be but you know we people are in your journey for a time and a season sometimes permanently but there's so much growth that can happen between those years and I think it's okay for people to like outgrow each other or need different things out of relationships. And I'm, I'm really am proud that they both have ended up where they have. I think it's a better fit for the stage of life that they're in, but like they were both so important in each other's journeys. And I hope the dynamic can kind of get back to those feelings of gratitude and being a team because they have a lifetime of history and partnership. And people think when you get divorced, that partnership ends. And it's like, not if there's kids involved, that partnership, it might be dysfunctional, but it does not end. And not just till the kids are 18, but a lifetime, you know, there's grandbabies they'll share in the future. Like, I really do hope that there can be some closure and getting back to the feelings of gratitude for, you know, who they've been to each other. Right. Right. And you think about that young age being teenagers. Yeah. Your brain's not even halfway formed at some point, you know, as a teenager. And I can see definitely growing apart over time from a teenager to your mid-20s or late 20s. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I hope there's growth there, you know, for everybody's sake. There had better be growth. And it's okay. Like, it's okay to grow and change. And I'm glad. I think it all worked out how it's been supposed to. Right. How old were they when they got married? Gosh, I think probably 19 or 20. So pretty young. Yeah. I think that people should have to be 30 to get married. I know. (laughs) I'm like, I will probably, I got married when I was 19 as well in my first marriage. And we all grew up in like Utah, Idaho. So that's very normal for our culture and for all the Mormons in our area. You know, everybody gets married very young, but holy smokes, I really hope my kids wait a few more years. (laughs) Yes. Because you do change so much from, I would say, 19 to 23. Yeah. There's a huge growth there. Oh, for sure. There is. There's a ton of prefrontal cortex of your brain still developing, and you're changing a lot, and you're growing into your own. And those those are, yeah. that's a hard chapter to get married during, you know. Have your stepkids ever said, you're not my mom? Yes. And it is so funny. I, I had listened to some of your previous episodes where that's a common phrase. I think every stepmom here's that phrase. And it's so interesting over the years, like my response or even just my emotional, what, what comes up for me when I hear that it's changed so much. I remember in the beginning, that was really hurtful to hear. Like they're kind of like condemning you. You're not my mom. And now I just kind of chuckle. Uh, the most recent time I can think of, I was doing my stepdaughter's hair in our bathroom before or before school one day. 
And she goes, do you know that my mom says you're not the real mom? And I just kind of <laughs> chuckled and I looked at her in the mirror and I go, baby, have I ever said that I'm your real mom? Have you ever heard me say that? And she gets the smile. And she goes, no. I said, you're right. I will never say that. I am not your real mom. I'm so grateful. You have so many people who love you. I'm an extra mommy at dad's house. So when you're here, I'll take care of you the same way that your mom does, but you're right. You have a different mom and she grew you in her belly and everybody loves you so much. It's like, I've just learned Mm -hmm. to kind of redirect it. Don't take it personally because these poor kids, they're just trying to make sense of their existence and their life and going back and forth between so many different homes and bio parents, bonus parents, like they're just stating the facts and it's, it's really easy to get caught up in like, ouch, you know, I'm doing everything that a mother does for you. Needing some Mm -hmm. validation. I've just learned that validation has to come from more appropriate sources, like girlfriends, therapists, other people, but that validation can't come from your teeny tiny little six-year-old stepkids, you know? So. Right. And it does sting. That's what's so funny. Even with the whole nacho kids thing, when Mr. Butler said, Lori, they're not your kids. It hurt. Yeah. I knew they weren't my kids, but it still hurt. Yeah. And it took me a minute. And I was trying to figure out why it hurt. And it's just because I cared about them. Yeah. Yeah. You're you're trying so hard to take care of these kids the way that a mother would want their kids cared for. And now that I am a mom, I can really empathize with that. Like, it's so important to find people, childcare, babysitters, school teachers, what whoever is in the village, you want them to just take the best care of your kids. And so when you're right. doing that as a stepmom, you're like, hey, mama, you don't see half of what I do for your kids but I want you to know, like I put my heart into them. I am, I'm trying to do right by you. Like I'm trying to make sure that they are loved and cared for so well only to get that feedback. Well, you're not the mom. It's like, I'm not saying I'm the, I'm the mom, but it would just be nice to mm-hmm. be appreciated for. I'm trying to do right by the mom and the dad and the kids <laughs> and it's exhausting. Right. And you just feel like it, it does sting, you know? So let's see. Well, I want to say two things before I forget. Sure. One thing you said that you didn't know that Casey had kids when y'all first started chatting. Yeah. Men, put on your profile, your dating profile, <laughs> you have kids. I know. I am a father. That would have been helpful. Yes. <laughs> we have had so many people say, oh, I didn't know we had kids yeah. until six months down the road. Wow. Or, and it's not like some of them are trying to hide it. Sure. I think they're trying to see if the relationship's there to introduce them to the kids. But hey, you need to come up front with that. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's tricky because they're trying to make sure that they're comfortable. You know, I think a lot of parents, whether they're men or women, if they're divorced, they have kids. You don't really want to be seen for like, hi, I'm so-and-so and I'm a package deal. Hi, I'm so-and-so right. and I'm going to be a handful. Hi, I'm so-and-so and there's so many complicated dynamics here. You just want to jump back into dating and find your person and find that love and security that just fell apart in a divorce. So I think a lot of people are reserved to show up as the whole package. I'm so-and-so and and I'm a father or I'm a mother and understandably, Mm -hmm. but it is tricky because you, I mean, I started to fall in love with this person. I was so impressed by this person and instantly started to gravitate towards him. And then I'm like, oh, wow, this is going to be more than I knew I was getting into. And that's okay. Right. I mean, it's good that he didn't have that he was a dad on there because you probably wouldn't have talked to him in the first yeah, place. Yeah. Yeah. I, I did. It. And not 
to do with anything with him. Like that's not a bad thing. I would have felt inadequate of like, gosh, I'm 22. Am I ready to be an instant bonus parent to three little babies? I've never had my own babies before. What on earth am I doing? I would have felt inadequate and I probably would have looked for somebody else to date, you know? Right. Yeah. Cause you're not ready for an instant family. Sure. And that's what it is. Sure. And one other thing you mentioned, and before I get too far into this, is you mentioned the word court trauma. Yeah. I love that because it's so hard to explain how stressful all this court crap is. Oh, it is. If you haven't experienced it, it's like nobody can tell you what that's going to feel like for you to feel the pressure and the anxiety of what it's like to be in court for an extended period of time. Yeah. It's a special, it's a special kind of hell, I think. Yes. Or to even check your mailbox and get the bill from the attorney. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And come to find out the two hours you spent there, he's only going to use two minutes of what you told him. Totally. Yeah. I really do hope that the court system gets revamped at some point. I do have to say there's a guy I used to work with. And I was so proud of him. He represented himself in court. Wow. I admire that. I do too, because I would have a panic attack. I, I wouldn't be able to do yeah. it. Or I would say something <laughs> yeah. in the belly, like, you get out of my court. But yeah. <laughs> when he told me he was doing that, I'm like, really? He said, yeah, I'm not spending all that money on an attorney. And it actually worked out really well. He said the judge was very conscious of the fact that he didn't know all the rules of the court. And wow. so he gave him a lot of grace. And so that was really good. But it needs wow, to be easier. Really cool. Yeah. And it needs to not be all this fighting. And of course, the attorneys, they, they want you to fight. They get more money that way. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it, it does not help you be set up for success. The whole court system is very tricky. And, you know, there's a foundation of like, it's built off of contention and being disagreeable and who better to get together to be disagreeable than two people who fell out of love, who have been traumatized or traumatized each other or the grief and Mm -hmm. all of the emotions that they have from a marriage or a relationship that went South. Of course, you're going to, you can feed on that for a while. You know, you can drain that bank account for quite a while because there's kind of no end to that, to stirring the pot and In our case, it took even longer because it was during the beginning of the pandemic, Mm -hmm. all the way through the pandemic. And so the court system was really backed up. Everything was not in person. It was done over Zoom. We would wait months and months to even get responses. And it was just very painful. It was like a really, really long process. I think worse than it normally would be. I used to think that attorneys would tell you not to speak to the other party because that was in your best interest. No. Yeah. I think it's because they want you to go through them. Every email is yeah. 150, 200 bucks, whatever it is. Yeah. And I'm sure totally. in some cases that it is to prevent further fighting. But I have um, went through a couple of attorneys. One reason I didn't stay with the first attorney is he became a judge. And um, so things like that happened. But one attorney that I've had, actually, I still feel this way. I felt like he cared about my son. He wasn't trying to get me to say bad stuff about his dad. He was trying to make sure that things were resolved as peacefully as they could, not running up bills. 
he would even call me and say, I need something taken to the courthouse for you. Do you want to get it and take it so I don't have to charge you? Well, yeah. Wow. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I told this man, I'm like, I love you. I don't think you understand (laughs) because he seemed to really care. That's amazing. And I'm sure there are some great family law attorneys out there. If there are, go ahead and find me through the podcast and send me a quick message. (laughs) Yes. We, we had a really hard experience and a lot of turnover at our attorney's office. So we would share our story and then the paralegal would leave and there was turnover and we'd start all over. And that happened about four times during the pandemic. And you were charged every time. Yes. And you get charged to tell your story over and over and try to make sure all the details are kept and the organization. I mean, we put hundreds of hours into that process and eventually we, we still ended up just jumping out of it and trying to get some emotional peace back in our life and back in our marriage. So yeah, we actually, I had an issue where a guardian ad litem was assigned and do you know the guardian ad litem tried to charge me for them having to reschedule? Wow. No. (laughs) Yes. I I said, no, I called up there. I said, you've got to be crazy. Yeah. No, thank you. Yeah. You called me to reschedule, but you're charging me because you had to call to reschedule. No, I'm not paying you this. No, that just goes to show, you know, it's so easy to be taken advantage of. And it's really unfortunate. You just wish you could get to the bottom of things. You wish things were truly about what's in the best interest of everybody, the child especially, and trying to get people like, it would be wonderful if divorce situations could come back together to do what's best for the kids. But our court system definitely does not advertise that or try to support that or enable that. It's it's the opposite, which is really unfortunate. Yeah, I'm sitting here thinking that I wish there was a directory somewhere of attorneys by county that we rated as people that have used them and say, yes, this is a good attorney. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. That would be very helpful. Yes. And they would get a lot of business and all those other shady people wouldn't have any. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So your oldest stepkid was five when you had your first hours kid. Yeah, I think he would have been about five. Yeah, five and a half. How did that go? Did it change the dynamics a lot? Did you see jealousy between the stepkids and the hours, baby? You know, something I am so grateful all day, every day for is how my stepkids get along with our kids. They you wouldn't even know that they are half siblings. You would have no idea that, you know, some of them are like full-time kids versus part-time kids at our house. Like they, they treat each other like brothers and sisters. They have beautiful relationships. They also have the normal sibling fighting and sick of sharing toys. They're, they're very young. So, Mm -hmm. you know, six kids, nine and under it's, it's a lot, but like, I don't feel like there's jealousy of, Hey, bio kids are treated a certain way versus stepkids are treated a certain way. Like, I think we try really, really hard to make sure everybody gets individual attention and their needs met and that they have like healthy, good relationships with parents. And when we brought home our first baby, it was pretty beautiful. Like the, the OBGYN who had delivered my three stepkids for my husband, he was still in practice. He was incredible. And my husband was like, Hey, if this isn't weird, if we want to see this provider, he's delivered all three of my babies and he cared for a miscarriage that they had had. And so I, I started seeing him. And so he delivered 
our baby, just like all the other kids. So that was a cool connection. I know for some people that would be like cringy, but for us, it felt comfortable. And all of the kids just got to be super involved and like, Hey, here's a brand new baby sister. Mm -hmm. It was, it was amazing. Like bringing home a baby. And I think for me, it helped me love all my stepkids more to kind of see that journey of life, like start to finish carrying the whole pregnancy a baby delivery, all the love and effort and work that goes into just like one human life. Right. It made me really respect, you know, their dad, their mom who had done that for them, that they had had that partnership to help raise three babies. Now I get to help raise a baby with my husband and like the kids just being so loving it. I finally felt a breath of fresh air from like being an outsider in my family with my husband and all of his kids. Like they were a family unit. Nothing changed for them when dad and I got married, but everything changed for me. You know, I quit my jobs. I moved, I jumped into instant parenting. And I, I think a lot of stepmoms, you just always feel like an outsider because you are, you're, you're the one and only you who didn't come from the family unit. Right. And so to finally have my baby and my, me and my husband, like having, having that partnership of having a child together, I finally felt like I could take a deep breath and, and be like, I belong. Like I'm a real mom mm-hmm. this time. <laughs> yeah. And Okay, so let me ask you this. Yeah. One of the stepkids snatches a toy from your hours kid. Yeah. That situation versus one of your hours kid snatches a toy from one of your hours kids. Do you feel yeah. differently? Yes. I think I respond consistently, but my gut reaction and how I want to respond, you're just wired to defend your own kid a little bit stronger. Mm-hmm. Like... <laughs> It's okay if an R's baby does this, this, or this, or if they have a temper tantrum, or you're just, you are genetically and hormonally wired to give a little more grace, to be more patient. When it's a kid whose DNA is just different than yours, you don't have those same hormonal bonds, no matter how much time you spend around them, no matter how much love you put into them, you're just not wired to like react the exact same way. So it's tricky, but I feel like with time and practice and and just having a lot of conversations out loud with their bio parent, you know, in my case, my husband, I feel like I've been able to feel healthy and grounded with that. But I think it's something you'll always have a knee jerk feeling to like defend your baby a little bit more. And you have to be conscious of it. Yeah. Especially the older they get, they start to look for those gaps, you know, of, am I being treated the same Is their favoritism here? Are the rules the same? Is anything stricter for any sort of child in whatever dynamic? So the older they get, they they start paying attention. And you really have to watch yourself, I think. Yes. And it can even be something that they see that you don't. For instance, you cut a piece of cake. And you're not yeah. paying attention, but you hand one to one kid, one to the other. Well, the hours kids happens to be a little bit bigger. Yeah. And the stepkid can see that, but you didn't intend to do that. Yeah. But they can look at that as, oh, I'm not her kid. So I got the smaller piece. Yeah. And I think in our family, the way we've dealt with that, it's been a really big blessing. Like we talk out loud all the time with our kids, trying to see from their perspective. We have family meetings a lot and we'll constantly say, you know, how is this for you guys in your experience? Like, what are your feelings? But we tell them all the time, we've got a really big family. We have a young family. There's tons of kids. 
and we have different ages. We've got some kids with special needs. We've got babies just kind of all over the place, you know, different dynamics. And so we'll constantly say out loud to our kids, you know, I've got one kid who hates pickles and he'll gag if he eats a pickle. (laughs) (laughs) So when, when I order a hamburger for all of my kids, he kind of gets the special treatment. I say, Hey, please don't put a pickle on so-and-so's hamburger. So that's like a special thing. But then other kids, they have some sensory challenges or certain infants, they need to be held all the time. It's like each of these kids, we try really hard to focus on them as individuals and talking about their talents, their different needs, preferences. And we'll tell all of our kids, like, things are not fair. You know, things won't be fair. You have certain needs, you have certain talents, you have certain strengths, weaknesses. So me and dad see those things and we try really hard to do what's best for you. And it might look different than it does for a brother or sister or baby. Like, and I feel like they're very understanding because we try to like say that out loud a lot because it will never be fair. And I would rather have all of my kids feel like life's just not fair right. than, oh, it's it's bio kids versus step kids. I never want there to be that division. So we just focus on ages and differences and who people are as individuals and that seems to help it feel a little less divided. Yes. And you can't make it fair. Yeah. It's exhausting <laughs> if you try. It, oh my gosh. It is. And it's funny. I t- talk about the puppies a good bit. We've got these two puppies and yeah. one's David's, one's mine. Okay. That's just the way it yeah. works, you know. Well, I feel bad if I give one of them a treat and not the other or yeah. if I'm taking one of them out to walk and the others in there barking, I feel sad. Totally. But I can't make it fair because if I do, then neither one of them will get training. Yeah. And it's the same thing with kids. And I joke about this. I'll say, oh, you've got to be fair. If you bought little Susie tampons, you better buy little Johnny some. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. Yeah. And are you really going to go buy every kid in the house, all six of your kids, a pair of shoes, new pair of shoes, just because the oldest outgrew their old ones? No. Totally. No. Yeah, you can't make it fair. And like you said, life's not fair. And it's not that you're intentionally being unfair to the kids. There is a difference. Yeah. Yeah, different needs and different times. And we're big on doing like individual dates or exactly like you said, I mean, the ages I have, everybody is outgrowing something at some point. So I've got a little girl who's needing training bras. Do I need to make that fair for big brother? For sure. No, like he doesn't have the same need, (laughs) but maybe in two months, he's going to finally finish outgrowing the tennis shoes that are starting to get kind of tight. And I'll totally take him out for like a one-on-one date or a shopping day with dad to go find his tennis shoes. It's just looking for what are the needs? What are the talents? What are the struggles and and just trying to make sure every child is getting the attention that they need at the time that they need it, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's so important. Yeah. Your kids may grow up and say, wait a minute, how come stepkids get two Christmases? Yeah, How totally. come they get two birthdays? Yep. What are you going to do? Are you going to give your kids two Christmases? No. <laughs> right. It's just unrealistic to think that you can make things completely fair between anybody. Yeah, for sure. You're not able to. Right. Now, let me ask you this. We don't very often talk about grandparents. Yeah. Are your in-laws very active in the kids' lives? They are incredible. We live about five hours away, so we don't get to see them very often. But 
they actually just stayed with our kids for a week, our ours babies, while the, you know, my husband's three kids were with their mom. We went on a quick little vacation that we do every year. It's kind of a work trip for the business that we own. And then we have a few vacation days. So they came and stayed with our kids. And when they have time with our kids, they they are incredible. They are such good grandparents. Do you notice a difference between how they act with your kids versus the stepkids? I think, you know, nothing intentionally, but they don't have a ton of time with our stepkids. Like usually, or my stepkids, usually when we do see them, it's like bio mom has been difficult. You know, we missed the family reunion this year that we asked a couple of months in advance. Like, can we please take our kids to the family reunion? And bio mom wasn't agreeable. So we couldn't coordinate that. We couldn't get them there. So it's like grandparents are missing the stepkids a lot Mm -hmm. just because things are tricky with scheduling in their lives. But so I think there's a little bit less of a relationship there, but it's no fault of anybody's. It's just a byproduct of what their life is and back and forth. And I think the grandparents are equally incredible grandparents to all the grandkids. They put a ton of love, time, effort, but it's like the emotional bond is less built with the other kids because there's not a ton of those opportunities for them to like get together, you know? Right. We often see where the in-laws do favor the stepkids. Yeah. I think a lot of times that's just age. Yeah. It's not that they're intentionally not giving this the hours kids the same thing they would the stepkids. Yeah. But the hours kids often a baby. Yeah. And then the stepmom saying, they don't pay attention to my kid. Well, your kid's six months old. Yeah. And they're not going to go spend $100 on Christmas for a six-month-old that they would a 10-year-old. Yeah. I think I've been really blessed in that category. Like, they they put so much effort and love into every single child. I really don't think I feel... A difference. Like, I I don't think they could do a better job being grandparents and making sure all those kids feel loved. And whether they're seeing my stepkids very often or not, it's like they're calling, they're trying to FaceTime on the birthdays or sending a gift or sending money or sending Marco Polos or cute things in the mail, letters from grandma, you know, like they really do put a ton of effort into it. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I'm just so grateful for them. Yes. And it does make things so much easier. Oh, absolutely. So what's one piece of advice that you would give someone that's getting ready to enter a blend? And no, your advice cannot be hurry up and get married. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was what my example said. My advice, honestly, I would say if I was talking to a soon-to-be stepmom, I would just say make make sure that you feel very like confident in who you are as a person. And that your self-care in your life is you've got a super strong self-care game, that you've got hobbies, girlfriends, things that you can invest in you in and stick to that because it is so easy. You know, the first three years of us being together, I feel like I threw everything down the toilet to just be everything to these kids and, and work harder than any other parent involved. And make sure I didn't miss a beat, make sure these kids wouldn't have any sort of trauma or bad memories of, well, my parents don't get along. And it's like, I killed myself Yes, and I stopped doing the things that I loved. And I completely stopped socializing with girlfriends and really didn't have a support system. I feel like I went through a lot of that alone for a lot of years. And after having my last baby, she's eight months as of yesterday, but 
I just intuitively have felt a huge need to get back into like pouring into myself so that this is sustainable. So reconnecting with girlfriends, doing a quick like mom's night out at least once or twice a month or every single night, like we put the kids down, my husband and I will go for a walk to just kind of decompress about our life, like making sure I'm getting enough sleep and good meals and that I'm really building myself up as Tiffany, not just like, oh, you're a stepmom or you're right. a mom. And I think that's that's motherhood as a whole, but especially for stepmoms, the role is heavy. Like stepmoms are villainized by society, by Disney, all the stupid things. It's it's a heavy role. You know, you're trying not to step on toes. You're hoping people give you the benefit of the doubt and see your work and see your effort. Most of the time, they're just critical of you. Most of the time, people are underappreciating you or they're assuming you're trying to do wrong by stepkids or so it's just heavy. So building yourself up to be able to sustainably hold that weight, I think is really important. Yes. We lose ourselves, and then we're resentful. Totally. And then we don't even like the person that we are because we've lost who we truly are. Yeah. Or you go through stages of so, so resentful of, how much you're taking on and you start to resent your partner. And then you're looking around of like, why the hell am I even doing all of this? If me and my partner don't feel secure, if we don't feel in love, like we've been really blessed to be able to pursue couples therapy for probably the last four and a half or five years. And that has been vital in making sure we can keep our family afloat with all the dynamics and needs and emotions and if at the end of the day, you and your partner are falling apart, what is all of this heaviness even for? Right. You know? Right. And I'm so glad that y'all do go to therapy because when I was growing up, there was such a stigma with yeah. going to therapy, like something's wrong with you. Yeah. It's not that anything's wrong with you. People need guidance and they need help and they need an outside opinion of somebody that's not emotionally attached. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think like we're going through a different shift just in society, in our world in 2022, where that stigma is lifting. It's still there. The tabooness is still a little bit there, but like mental health resources, support, treating mental health, like physical health. Like you can daily be working on exercising for your physical body or eating or sleeping. Well, what about your mental health? Do you have good support systems and friendships? You know, are you getting the rest that you need? How are your hormones? Are they in check? Like there's so much that we are learning we can be doing for mental health. And that is so incredible for like step families, blended families, marriages, therapists, counselors. There are so many resources there to just like support that. And I think it's more important now than ever. Like with modern day parenting, we are being bombarded and overstimulated and so much demanded of us, I think more than ever before. Yes. So to really have that support is like, I think it's just vital. It is. I completely agree with you. Yeah. yeah. Well, Tiffany, thank you so much for being a guest. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. I'm still shocked <laughs> over the two months. I've, I've got to tell you, but you've made I it six too. years and you're going to therapy. So you have a heck of a chance for sure. You know, I wish blended families didn't have so many odds against them. Yeah. There's so many dynamics. There's so much tension and, and like the stats, like, most blended families, second, third marriages, like you're kind of destined to fail. And I feel like you've just got to keep that determination, like against all odds. Yes. We knew that this was for us. We knew we were supposed to be together. Nobody said it was going to be easy. 
But like, if you know you're supposed to be with this person, do what it takes to make it work. Keep yourself healthy, find support and help because at one point you knew it was worth it. Mm -hmm. The journey can be harder than all get out. Like being a stepmom, it is the hardest thing I've ever done. Yes. But every single day I have to remind myself it's worth it. I have so many people to love. Keep going. Like it may forever be an uphill battle. It probably will be, but I, I believe in this cause more than anything. I'll keep working at it. And you guys are a great resource for people, you know, in that position, just trying to work on their blended families every single day. Well, thank you. And you did mention something that it is so important to know that we're going to fight for this. And that was something totally. with David and I, when Mr. Butler kept telling me they were not my kids and in that parking lot, when I had the epiphany, it was, okay, we're going to make this work. There's yeah. no talk of divorce. There's no talk of separation. We are going to figure out a way to make this work. Yeah. You can't have one foot yeah. out the door and expect it to work. No, you've got to be fully in and and check yourself and make sure you're constantly staying fully in because it, yeah, it takes so much work, but mm-hmm. I think it's worth it. Oh, yeah. We have got so many good memories with the kids that I never imagined we would have. And we still laugh about some of the bad stuff that happened. Once you can laugh yeah. about the bad, you're good to go. <laughs> yes. Then you know you're past it. And there's there's so many ups and downs, plenty of bad days. But that's something I try to keep in perspective. Anytime I'm feeling like super low or exhausted because it's a constant cycle. Like there's ups, there's good times and then you crash down into rock bottom again. Yes. I think it's so important to just start making a gratitude list. Like look around, what do yes. you actually have going for you? What does your marriage have going for you? What about your stepkids? What about all the special incredible things about them? They might be, you know, disobeying or fighting with siblings or you know all of that annoying stuff, but like what's the good? If you look for the good, you'll find it. If you look for the bad, you'll find it too. Right. Exactly. So much of what we teach in the academy is changing your thinking and changing your perspective because it has a yeah. huge impact on your thoughts and your mental well-being. Totally. Yep. Totally. Well, thank you again for being a guest and stay in touch. I want to hear, let's see, how many years before those stepkids turn teenagers? Oh my gosh. Let's see. Another five or six years. We'll be getting right into the thick of it. Teenagers back to back to back. <laughs> okay. So I plan on still being alive then and still doing this. Yes. Oh yes. So in six years, I want you back so we can talk Great. about the challenges of teenage stepkids. That's going to be a whole new deal. So stay tuned. Yes. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Lori. Yes. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye-bye. One thing that... Tiffany and I talked about was when the stepkids like snatch the toys from the hours kids, how mm-hmm. she feels versus when the hours kids snatches toys from the stepkids. <laughs> You're like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or the hours kids snatches toys from the hours kids. Mm-hmm. And she says she tries to handle it the same regardless of who it is, but gut wise it's different. Yeah. Yeah. The outside is different than the inside. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Yep. And a lot of times we don't even realize that we are different with the stepkids because I remember one day you said something to Jackson, like, get your lazy butt up off the couch. I would never. And I looked at you and I said, you would never say that to your kids. And you were like, uh-huh. 
And then a little bit later, you're like, yeah, you're right. I never said that. Yes, you did. (laughs) You have proof. I didn't record that one. But tell the (laughs) truth, David Sims. Tell the truth. Um, I do recall. Yeah, I recall that conversation. Yep. But you didn't even realize you were doing it. No. It's not like you intentionally think, okay, this is my stepkid, and this is what I'm going to say, versus if this was my bio kid. You just say something, and then when somebody points it out, you're like, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I do treat that poor little sweet boy differently. Well, what, what you end up realizing sometimes is you're just a little bit more gruff with the stepkid. I think that's kind of, you know, it wasn't that I probably wouldn't have said something like that to my kids, but I probably wouldn't have said anything to them um, unless I was agitated with them. Whereas I said at the Jackson without being agitated. Right. Wasn't Gruff one of the dogs? Like <laughs> the crime dog. The crime dog. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Okay, because when you said Gruff, I'm like, huh, why am I thinking dog? <laughs> Is it because it says rough? No, it's because there was a crime dog, Gruff. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. Maybe be more aware of not necessarily what you say, but things that you are about to say. Mm-hmm. Think about it before you say it. All yep. of us are guilty about not doing that. Well, it's it's funny because you always give me a hard time about, you take too long to respond to something. It takes you 30 seconds to process it. It does, I but I don't think you're thinking about what to say. I think it, you're just like in duh no, mode. No, it's that's why I stay out of trouble more than you do. Oh no, 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 no! Because I'm I'm thinking through everything before I open my mouth up, and then you're sitting there the whole time yapping at me, going, "What's taking you so long? You should hurry up and say something." That's not true because <laughs> if you were actually thinking about what you were going to say, you would have better responses than you do. No, I just realized that you know. Saying something is usually not even worth saying. So then I just have to come up with something stupid because I don't want to say anything. (laughs) It's like, I don't want to respond at all, but you're staring at me. So I'll say something stupid. (laughs) Okay, folks. (laughs) So there you have it. That is how this relationship works. Look, when your man says something stupid to you, it's because he didn't say what he really wanted to say. Okay, so now when you say something stupid, I'm going to say, what did you really want to say, David? Yep, you know what I'll do? Say something stupid. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) (laughs) And eventually I'll get tired of it. Yep. (laughs) And I'll leave you alone. That's right. It works every time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so that's that's your uh, therapy session for today, folks. But then people think you're lying to me and that you're not honest with me and that you can't have a discussion with me and you're just making up crap. No, that's not true. Then what is it? I don't say things like that all the time. Huh? (laughs) See? (laughs) (laughs) See how that works? (laughs) Okay. Yep, it worked. I'm done. (laughs) I'm I'm done talking to you, David Sims. (laughs) See? See how nice it was to have a chat? It was. It was great talking to you, David. I know. I love you. I love you. (laughs) 
see you when you come downstairs. All righty. And remember, life is good. (laughs) When you nacho and make up stupid crap. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Nacho Kids podcast. Find us online at nachokids.com. Until next time, remember, life is good when you nacho.